Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. On. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Chris Sharma. Chris is the founder of Freestyle Growth, a growth marketing agency for B2B tech companies. Using a hub and spoke model, they aim to maximize engagement at every stage of the buyer's journey. They help generate high-quality leads, convert those leads into customers, and transform customers into raving fans. Chris, it's a pleasure having you on the show. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Pleasure to be here as well. Awesome. Awesome. That's good to hear. For the listeners, can you kind of walk us through your background, how you got started in, in online business, and kind of how it's led up to what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I didn't really start uh, in the business world at all. Um, started doing comedy writing, um, specifically sketch comedy in Chicago, and from there uh, started working in sales. And so this was back in like 2005, was uh, in the big mortgage boom, selling mortgages. And then from there moved to selling uh, advertising. So a lot of sales at the beginning, and I had a writing background. So while I was doing that, I was also doing some copywriting. And then eventually started doing both uh, when I started selling technology. So kind of starting out doing B2B technology sales and then started doing more marketing, copywriting, and then from there transitioned into getting into demand generation. So uh, in this case, Mm -hmm. we set a technology company in Los Angeles uh, that was selling telecom and software. And so started getting into that as far as email marketing, webinars, Facebook copywriting. So from there, um, started consulting with other businesses as well after kind of stumbling on a method that worked and was repeatable. And so that's, so I've been consulting full time for the past year, dealing with technology companies, mostly on B2B demand generation. So focusing a lot on really creating like a content model that helps not just generate new leads, but also get them through that funnel and turn them into buyers and making that process as streamlined as possible. Awesome. Very interesting. You have an interesting background and I just, I always try to look for trends and I'm always interested in, in uh, everyone's origin story. It seems like kind of every step on your journey, you're doing something, whether it's writing or sales, that involves influencing someone to take an action, right? Whether that's to laugh with the comedy writing, to respond and book a meeting in demand generation, or just you know to get that yes in sales. I'm curious kind of 
along your path, what have been some key takeaways that have kind of helped you out in your career thus far? Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't even really think about that myself. <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> I think probably the first thing is establishing a strong connection. So whether it's that's with an audience, you know, performing or writing, but also in, in the business side of things, being able to position yourself as creating value for your prospect, right? Instead of just saying, hey, let me sell you this. Because nowadays the model has changed, right? Like if it was 20, 30 years ago, you know, you could simply get by on cold calling. You could do the same thing over and over. You could buy a full page ad in, in the yellow pages or the newspaper and actually sold that type of advertising back in the day. But it's changed, right? It's a lot easier to find out information. They can check your reviews online. They can check your better business rating. They can see Captera reviews on your product. So now you have to position yourself as like there's so much data out there that when you're trying to get in front of people, you really have to follow that principle of with them, you know, what's in it for me. And that's directly from sales, but works in content marketing as well. Like how do you put yourself in your prospect's shoes and give them what they're looking for? That'll work whether it's an, you know, a cold email you're sending or a lead magnet you're writing, as opposed to just saying, hey, we're so great. It's, hey, let me help you solve your problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Meeting the customer, meeting the prospect where they are, um, communicating as succinctly as possible. Hey, I am here. I'm someone who can help you get from point A to point B, you know, establish that value, you know, and get their attention first, of course. That's really interesting. What are you seeing right now just within your consulting as how that's led to your demand generation process, whether it's principles at a high level, strategies as we kind of get closer to the ground, or just really tactics in what you're doing with demand generation? I think from a broader look, um, authenticity is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't really hide behind a sort of avatar or be anonymous. Like nowadays you see founders, they're active on LinkedIn, they're going to conferences, like they always have, like there's really a personality component to it. And even so far as like creating communities, like a lot of my more successful clients have their own Facebook groups on topics, you know, and they kind of work that into their whole marketing strategy where it's like, look, we're not just some company that's giving you one-way communication. If you want to talk to us, or you even want to talk to each other and share best practices. Like that's something I've seen that's very interesting because we're all focusing on like, hey, how do we all get better? How do we, as yep. you know, fellow uh, people in the same industry, you know, like I've worked a lot with the insurance industry, for example, and insurance agents are always looking for ways to improve their processes, whether that's generating their own leads, close, you know, their sales process or even just managing their staff. So like, it's, it's really interesting to see that kind of communication and that kind of real connection that's as opposed to like saying, oh, I'm, you know, the other thing too is like the idea of these huge brands. So you have big players in every industry, right? You've got uh, mm -hmm. Salesforce and whatever. But like, if you're starting out or even like say, you know, 1 million, 5 million, 10 million, you know, you're still not a gigantic company yet. So you can still lead with that authenticity and have that, filter in. So like when you're like, I have one client, you know, when they're sending out their emails, it comes from a real person on their marketing team that will respond to those emails. It's not just a no reply email when they are, have a blog post or whatever it is, there's, they put a human face to everything they're doing. I think that's mm -hmm. something that is going to become even more important as our communication 
tools get better and everyone's on Twitter and LinkedIn and all these other places, like you kind of just get to see that you're dealing with real people, you know, and that, yeah. and that works both ways too. Like from the business standpoint, you know, it's not just customer A, it's like, oh, this is John in Minneapolis. Okay. Hey, what's up, John? And like being able to, I mean, just little things like you connect with them on Facebook or LinkedIn, like that kind of connection is just going to be more and more important as time goes on. Absolutely. And I've seen even with sales reps who, you know, may not own their own companies, they're working for a company, growing your personal brand just as a sales rep is becoming more and more, not just an effective strategy for gaining new business, but more and more mandatory, I see, or buyers expect for you to be online and a part of the community that you're serving. And they want to see that personality or that authenticity. Have you just in, in kind of either in your research or people you've talked to, have you seen that with sales reps or employees that have um, established personal brands, stuff like that? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's one of those things that when you think of like, say, when you're in sales as your brand is you are that trusted advisor, they can count on you. And definitely the best sales reps I've, I've known over the years always have that, you know, where it's like mm -hmm. they know their customers well, hey, maybe they're even like friends on Facebook, you know, they see each other at conferences, they go hang out. And it doesn't have to be like best friends or anything, but it's one of those things where you know you have that connection. Yeah. Uh, and even as you move on, it's almost like your own black book, you know, your own book of business where you can, even if you go to another company or another industry, you know, you have these contacts. And even in my own experience, like I've had that where I've had clients I maybe signed up five years ago will you know, send me an email like, hey, yep. what's up, Chris? I'm like, oh, actually, I haven't worked at that place in a long time, but I'm happy to connect you with the founder, whoever is running that because I know them. You know what I mean? It's like, it's mm -hmm. not like, it's not a burden or anything like, yeah, it's no problem. How can I help? And you never know what that can pivot into. I mean, pivoting to partnership. Exactly. It's always, you know, you never want to think of a sale as one and done. You know, like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I close and move on. It's like, no, that's, that's not how, that's not, that doesn't work anymore. Mm -mm. You know, and it's right. like you've got to maintain that. And wh whether it's maintaining that relationship through just making sure their account is okay. I think I'm kind of a high strung person. So I would always do that regardless. It's like, <laughs> oh God, yep. I don't want people to have a bad time. Like, hey man, just checking if everything's okay. But it's like, it really does help. You know, and if someone does have a problem, if you're in sales and you're not that first line of defense, if they start to have problems, you don't want to have to hear about it. Like you want to be a little more proactive and checking with the CSRs going, hey, what's going on with this guy? Escalating it yourself if you have to, because that's what's going to be what gets you referrals. Like yep. I, knew, I know when I was in sales, like doing outbound is of course very, very important, but maintaining the relationship and creating referral sources from your current customers, you have to do that. Yep. You know, and the only way to do that is to provide quality service. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, customers or clients, they will, they'll deal with their issues and just get more and more angry way before they let you know. I mean, we all do it, but, you know, they'll be frustrated with something and they'll kind of just like that frustration will build until maybe the point of no return. And by being proactive and kind of getting out ahead of things like you were mentioning, you can really shift the paradigm for them or turn, you know, save or improve a strength in relationships, you know, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And like, especially with all the tools nowadays, there's no excuse not to do that. 
Nope. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, is it that difficult to go into your CRM and schedule a reminder to yourself like three months from now? Like, is it that hard? Like, no, you can, it's a couple clicks of a button. And if like your companies that people are at that don't have that process, they've got to build that. You've got to build that into your processes um, so that it is something you don't have to think about. You can just have a quick reminder to yourself, like, hey, let me check in with so-and-so. Especially if you're getting to like enterprise or even mid-market level, like those deals are so big that it's like, that's a crazy amount of revenue to lose over something so silly. Yep, absolutely. We've been chatting about kind of new trends and old key principles, concepts. I want to know, you know, in your business, the customers you've dealt with, what technology trends are you starting to see now in sales and marketing, whether it's now or that will be occurring in the next kind of 24 to 36 months? I think overall, just the type of communication has expanded. So you can kind of see that, you know, moving beyond just email and phone, obviously, but now you have these in-app messages. So whether you're talking about on a website with something like Drift, you know, like a chatbot type of thing, um, the AI on the chatbots has gotten very good. They also can kind of put that into other channels as well. I think you're just going to see more and more of that as artificial intelligence replaces that initial SDR or CSR level of interaction, where it's like, how do you route this? How do you deal with this? Whatever question this is, getting that information faster, that's going to get more and more important. Like I've had a couple of clients in that space where their AI is able to take a natural language question. Like you're saying, hey, what's up with my, you know, what's the deal with our health insurance? And they'll take that vague question and turn that to like, okay, here's your login to the portal or whatever it is. So you just mm-hmm. need more and more of that. And that's never going to replace sales because you always need that human connection. But I think it's just going to take a lot of that busy workout. And then also just the types of, I mean, you know, webinars, that's kind of one of my big <laughs> uh, tools in my toolbox. I think that's going to be, you know, maybe even just change to so they're more compact, you know, more transparent with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So when people are asking questions, it may be more of an impromptu thing where they're on a quick Facebook Live or some other type of platform like that, where it's not as scheduled or not as regimented. It may just be more of a, a free-flowing thing you know, as people are more used to that type of communication. Absolutely. I'm very interested in that um, the SaaS webinars that you do. Can you give us a little insight into tactically or just kind of the strategy or the flow process you use when uh, implementing those? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I kind of stumbled into it as I was initially successful, started looking at other ways of doing webinars and kind of honed in on this approach. But basically the overall look at it is when, you know, for software in particular, there are usually two big challenges that those companies face. Number one is as a consumer, they're wondering, Hey, how does this work? Like, what does it look like? And then the second one is, will it work for me? The webinar aims to solve those two problems definitively. And so it's not just a demo. Like some people like go, hey, we did a webinar. And it's just like a product demo. Like, well, nobody, I'm not taking time out of my day to watch that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't care. So going back to that initial point of getting in your customer's shoes and, and figuring out what pain points they want to solve, that's how I approach the webinars. So whether it's a partner webinar where like say my company and your company are are doing a team up or a solo webinar where we're just talking about a topic or even having a customer on the call and like looking at some of their processes, I've done a lot of those. You're always looking to see like what value can you bring to the table here? For example, like I did one recently 
with retention. It was all about how to retain more customers. And there are three different companies on there talking about each part of this life cycle, whether it's like your onboarding or dealing with your churn or dealing with your sales automation. And then as you do that, as you show, hey, this is how you solve these problems, showing your software is a natural fit, right? It's not like mm. you're shoehorning it in there. You're saying, hey, you know, like I might say something like if I'm doing a webinar on like phone sales or something, right? Well, maybe my software is like one that brings up scripts for different scenarios. So if I'm saying, hey, here's how we build a script, and then I can show, hey, this is how the software does this thing for you. And so it's a lot easier. It makes the demo part of it easier as well because you're not, it's not some boring thing. You're just saying, hey, this is how you do it. It kind of sells itself at that point. Mm-hmm. And then really, again, like it's not, as opposed to like, especially webinars kind of have a bad rap, you know, back in the day with like the phony automated webinars yep. that are still going on. Um, the uh, or the ones that are like the crazy like high pressure stuff. It's like for B two B, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I used to have an email go out that was like, "Look, man, if you're the VP of Oracle, like no one's gonna believe <laughs> yeah. that that email at one o'clock in the morning is the last chance." You know, it's like give me a break. Yeah. So like, you have to respect your audience. These webinars, like I always tell clients, like, look, we're gonna create value. So we do a value stack where it's like, hey, here's your ebook on this, or here's your free analysis on this. And maybe there's a time limit on it if you're doing a discount, but it's not one of those things like, well, the doors will close forever. And yeah, that's like, give me a break. You know, come on. So, <laughs> but again, like you just build that into it. And the cool thing is, like, when you're doing that, you've got that content. So it's like you can repurpose that webinar to an, an ebook or a shorter video. And then you've got them in your funnel. So if you want to send them other emails, other pieces of, of value that's built in there. And so it's like a lot of times, like people will say, like, I'll tell people like, look, most of your sales will happen after the webinar, like the next three weeks after the webinar is where you'll get most of your sales, especially if it's a high touch process, right? It's not going to be like no one's signing up for a $30,000 account on one call usually, but it's like, you'll at least get that initial call in. And then when you do get to the demo, the one-on-one sales call, it is a hundred times easier because they've seen it already. They believe in it. And I always recommend too, like if you're a sales rep, like see if you can hop on and be one of the hosts of a webinar at your company. Because when you do the sales call, they'll, they'll almost treat you like a celebrity. Like, oh, wow, <laughs> I saw your thing. I'm like, I'm just some guy. Like, I, was just, yeah. I was just on a call. But it's funny because they feel like they know you and it's like they kind of do, right? Because you've already established that authenticity. That's what I, I love about it. And then kind of building that into the rest of what you're doing. So like how we were talking about earlier, like that hub and spoke model. The hub is really like your problem solving, your great content. And then your spokes of the wheel are like all the things you're doing, like email automation. Like, okay, automation is going to be, I mean, it's already very, very important, but even more so. Um, your social media marketing, your Google ads, your SEO, your blog posts, like all that connecting together. So it's not like you're just doing things in a vacuum where it's like, oh, I got some SEO and I got some ad, but it's like, okay, well, what happens? Like, can you retarget someone that's on seeing a specific page? And then can you send them an email based on that and then a webinar based on that? So like you're really honing in on what they want. And if you can do that, it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Awesome. The authenticity definitely strikes a chord because I can definitely see how it'd be to be that webinars would be more attractive than a demo every time, at least for the most part, because a demo is one-to-one and that prospect or that customer knows that, you know, I'm going to get to see the thing, but they're also going to hit me up for information. Like it is what it is. That's the game. But with 
you know, a webinar, they can listen and really take in the information. It's more passive, it feels like. Passive consumption than with a demo, then they're kind of like having to talk back and forth, um, just deal with questions, or they can still ask questions on a webinar, but it's, I guess I'd say it's more relaxed, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely more relaxed. And they have the option too, you know what I mean? Like you were saying, like they can ask questions or not. They can show up or not. I mean, I've signed up for webinars. I'm like, I know I'm not going to make it, but I want to watch the replay. Yeah. Um, They have that too. So like they kind of pick and choose, like, is this content something I'm interested in or is it not? Yeah. But like with a demo, especially like, I feel like for sales reps too, like one of the worst things is to spend a lot of time on demos with people that aren't qualified. Yeah. Right. Either they're not in the market, they don't have the budget for it. It's like, it's a waste of everybody's time, but they usually have to do it a, because the customer doesn't know enough about the product to even remotely make a decision, right? Because it's like they're so secretive. Like, what's your pricing? Oh, we can't tell you. What's your software look like? We can't tell you. Like, okay, like give me something. Yeah. Like, let them engage a little more. I think that's one nice thing about a webinar, too, is that you let them take a tour of the problem solving, of the features of the product. And then when it's time for the demo, like, they're clearly interested. At that point, like, they're not curious about how it works. They just want to know the specifics of like, okay, how does this work from my office? What setup do I need? How much does it cost for this type of solution? Yep. Outstanding. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I know that you're doing some interesting things with content marketing and the buyer's journey. Can you touch on that in terms of um, trends you're seeing and also kind of how you use that as a tool in your business? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of like earlier, we're talking about authenticity and that problem solving. The content marketing is really just an extension of that, right? So instead of like an ad just being an ad, the ad is going to something that creates or that adds value, right? Um, AD to ADD, like you're trying to add the value. And so with the content marketing, it's become very story driven. Like I work with some brands that are very into creating powerful customer stories, whether that's a case study or it's a... um trend that they're analyzing like hey we've analyzed all this stuff like they they really want to move beyond just raw numbers to something that engages with the prospect on a deeper level and i think it can be easy to get overwhelmed with all of it so i always recommend to people like look start simply and then add on to it and the same thing with the buyer's journey like we've gotten so good these days at tracking what people are doing like if you sign up for a platform i'll know when you visited my website how you got there what emails you've opened, what you've clicked on, what eBooks you've downloaded. Hey, did you watch a video? What did you go from there? Who'd you talk to on the phone? How long did you talk? What are the notes? I mean, you know everything, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, once you see that and you go, okay, well, how long, A, are there drop-offs? Like, is there a point where people are looking and going, you know, we're getting so many people, but then the second we get to the pricing, everyone drops off. So like, okay, is that a pricing issue? Is your price too high? Or is it that you're, Pricing doesn't make sense. I've seen that sometimes where like people have really ridiculous and complicated pricing. So when they fix that, they see a big change. So the thing is all the data you have nowadays and beyond just the buyer's journey itself, but like being able to track your numbers of like your lifetime value and your acquisition costs, all that stuff. um, It's so easy to track that now. So when you're making decisions, you can look at it holistically and say, look, we want to decrease our churn by this amount. So we're going to do this and then you can measure it. And then after 30 days or six months say, Oh, this is where we're at. 
And the same thing with your content marketing, you can measure that. I think really just as the data has gotten so, the tracking has gotten so good that the buyer's journey, it's just going to have less and less friction, right? It's going to be easier to get to like either you're the right customer, we're the right product for you or not. And then we'll just keep in contact, but it doesn't have to feel like harassing or like yeah. over advertising to people because it's going to be tailored to them, right? Tailored to their behavior. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's say you have a, a solo founder, even you know a small team that wants to get started with SaaS webinars, um, or get started. They have a they're a small SaaS company and want to get started with webinars and want to get you know beef up their content marketing. What are some ways to get into this and like implement this into your overall strategy? So first thing, I mean, they can always give me a call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but seriously, uh, I would say like, yeah, especially with starting out to really, I mean, obviously like when you're in a new startup like that, uh, budget's a concern. So you want to give yourself the opportunity to do it without committing too much, right? So that could be as simple as, okay, I'm going to get a Zoom account that free like Zoom webinar software or reasonably mm-hmm. priced software like Demio. Okay, I'm going to get my webinar account and I'm just going to email the people that are on my list and maybe post in some relevant social media groups that I'm in. Not go too crazy with it. Just do this with just my prospects and looking at creating a very simple framework for your webinar, a very simple offer. And then another thing that's very, that I always highly recommend is the partnership. So like if you have a peanut butter start startup and I've got a jelly startup, hey, well, let's do a peanut butter and jelly webinar, right? Let's look at, you know, how do these two platforms work really well together? Um, I did this once uh, with a company that made uh, landing like uh, web forms and the company I was working with would turn those form submissions into phone calls. So it was very easy. I didn't know anybody at that company. I just emailed them and said, hey, we can turn your forms into phone calls. Like the pro- director of product marketing wrote me back and said, what the hell are you talking about? What does that mean? <laughs> and, I, and I showed it to him and he goes, oh, that's really cool. And so like we did like a little cross promotion there. So highly recommend cross promotion. If you find players in your space that really, you guys complement each other really well. I mean, really, if you're a SaaS, you're going to see a million like that, right? You, sh- yeah. you should at least. Reaching out to them, basically you email your customers, they email their customers, you get on a call together, work out a, especially with SaaS, like the offer could be like, hey, it's a free trial, right? Like nothing crazy. Um, free stuff like that, I um, mm-hmm. highly recommend. I also think outbound email is very, very cost effective. You have to, there's a little more of a headache with the setup of the platforms and all that, different servers and all that. But that's a great way. That's how I started getting people on webinars. It almost worked too well because <laughs> I remember the first time I did one, I was like, I just did these outbound emails and all these people showed up. And then later I was like, oh, people do ads for webinars? Oh, okay. I didn't even know that was a thing. If you, As long as you're following the laws of your country, whether it's the GDPR or the Can't Spam Act, all that, make sure you're following the rules. But you can invite people to webinars from that type of thing. A lot of times people use outbound emails like, oh, hey, can I get a demo? Can I get a demo? Can I get a demo? Now you've got something new to offer. And now you've got yeah. your opt-in funnel. I guess so that to be the last piece of it is just the opt-in side of it. So if you've got your webinar, like you can have a very simple follow-up sequence, whether it's like active campaign or something more robust, but just, you know, you know what I mean? Like just don't yeah. send one, one email, but like give them a sequence of emails, make sure you're doing some lead scoring, do some manual follow-up, especially if you've got a high ticket product. Like, look, 
if you're if your annual billing is more than a few thousand dollars, maybe even less, depending on where you're at, have your sales reps reach out just with a quick call after the webinar, like, hey, what's up, man? Just want to see how you liked it. How'd you like the webinar? Nothing crazy, and it's not going to feel like a cold call because they were just on it. Mm-hmm. That's a very easy way to pick up some sales and even just initially forge that connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very good tips. Can you tell us a little bit more about freestyle growth, um, your company, and kind of give us a lowdown on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we, freestyle growth, we uh, do B2B growth marketing, primarily in the tech space. Uh, worked with SaaS, uh, telecom, consulting, and basically it's creating uh, demand generation. So all the stuff we're talking about, um, webinars, email campaigns, uh, social media advertising has been very popular lately, like Facebook ads, and kind of creating all these together so when you have a campaign to drive new leads and new buyers into the business and work with a, you can kind of see some testimonials if you go to freestylegrowth.com, you can see some testimonials from people. Um, if you have any questions, uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. There's also a appointment calendar link on the Freestyle Growth page. But basically, it's a pretty relaxed process. Like we just kind of look at what you're doing, you know, what you're selling, how your channels are working, and then seeing how we can add to that and then improve the processes with what you're doing. Yep. And just taking a look at the website here as well, you've got a three-step process you use, roadmap, campaign creation, and campaign management. What's some interesting things that you see when it comes to people who come to work with you in terms of like what a lot of companies are lacking with their marketing? It kind of depends. I mean, where they're at in the growth stage. Some folks are brand new versus a little bit farther in. But I think the overall thing I've seen is just a a lack of a way to consistently generate leads, right? Some people may say, hey, we're pretty good on organic or SEO, or we're good on referrals, but it's not like they can't really just look at it, you know, kind of turn on the faucet. Say, look, I'm going to write, I'm going to create these ads. I'm going to do this conversion event. I'm going to send this many emails. And it create a, a more predictable flow of leads. Yep. Predictable lead gen channels. We're just creating predictable flow of leads. Outstanding. Well, yeah. Well, Chris, it's been great speaking with you today. I know you already mentioned a couple ways, but what's the best way someone can get in touch with you if they want to ask a question or are interested in working with you? Yeah. Uh, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. My name's uh, Chris Sharma, and that's just uh, K-R-I-S. And the last name's uh, Sharma, S-H-A-R-M-A. Um, or you can hit me up at freestylegrowth.com uh, and you can you can book a link on my calendar and we can always chat there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Morgan. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.